All right. You guys ready? All right. So how many of you here last time I, I spoke? Um, okay. So the last time I spoke, I made a ton of promises to you. Remember that? I said, I, I, I gave a whole list of things we were going to talk about. Um, we were going to talk about, anyone remember any of them? Sex. Yeah. I just wanted to see what somebody would say. Um, um, you don't often get a girl yelling in the back of a church, sucks. Um, so uh, dating, masturbation, anything else? Creepers. Wet dreams. I just wanted to hear anybody but me say that. Yep. Yep. We talked about that. We did. Go back. Listen to the tape. It happened. Uh, and I said we were going to talk about pornography. Remember that? And, and uh, then when I got to it, I'm like, there's no time uh, to talk about porn. And so I said I'd be back. Here I am. We're going to talk about porn tonight. So buckle up. Um, there's somebody in here right now going, ah, oh, dang it, wrong night. Dang it. Um, well, let me just say, uh, as we dive in, just a couple thoughts. First, uh, my own personal experience with porn is limited. Uh, as a teenager, uh, I found some magazines. Um, me and my buddies actually shouldn't be saying this. Um, there was an earthquake in California and a video store burned down and me and my buddies went into the rubbish and found some VHS tapes. That's how old we were. And, uh, and our, you know, that's how long ago this was. And we found burnt VHS porn tapes and we watched them and they would go in and out of being burnt and not. Um, it, but it was amazing. Um, <laughs> for us back then, we thought it was the best. Um, I was in the Marine Corps. There was porn everywhere. Um, the guys, you know, when they found out I was a Christian and starting to be a pastor, literally the guys would put porn mags inside of my sleeping bag so that uh, I would be like in bed and be like, what is that? Ah, porn everywhere. It's just, they were just, it was the worst. Um, had my moments with online stuff. Grateful that it's not really captured me. I've escaped that being like the thing that ruins my life. Um, as a pastor, uh, uh, my experience with porn is fairly extensive. I've worked with tons and tons of young men and young women who struggled with porn. I've studied the Bible about it. I've tried to stay current, informed uh, on it. I, I, uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to say everything on the subject of porn. I don't know that I want to be an expert. Uh, I don't want to be the porn pastor, all right? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Um, that's Heather. I think that's her title. Um, that's what we just prayed, isn't that? I, I don't know. Um, and, and I, I can say that prayer, uh, porn is difficult to talk about without using words we wouldn't normally use and without talking about things we wouldn't normally talk about. Tonight, we're going to do both of those things. We're going to use words we wouldn't normally use, and we're going to say things that, and go places we wouldn't normally go. So you guys ready for that? All right. Get out something to write on. You're going to want to know this stuff. Um, I'm telling you, this is a big deal. I just want to do five truths uh, uh, that you need, I believe you need to know, we need to know about pornography. Uh, I want to start with a verse. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians 4. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, which in the Greek, the original language is pornos. Feel vaguely familiar? Um, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God. You should avoid Pornos. Uh, let me just, this verse says two things to me. Number one, that God wants you to avoid sexual immorality and pornography is a part of that. I know you didn't know that, but God wants you to avoid that. Number two, that being a Christian, having a relationship with God should unlock a power that actually allows you to live 
live that out. In other words, it says, unlike the pagans who don't know God, knowing God should change your life. If it's not changing your life, then you probably don't know him. There's a difference between going to church and knowing God, right? All right. So that, that's the first thing. Now, we're going to talk about five things you need to know. Here's the first one. Uh, pornography usage is fast becoming a silent epidemic in our country. So I want to define pornography for you. In the most broad definition, pornography is anything that is designed to deliberately attempt, that, that's designed deliberately to, to, to try to bring sexual arousal to someone. Think about that. There, there are, I mean, help me out. There's stuff in art that you could put under that definition, true? Like something can be art and porn, right? Just because it's art doesn't get a pass, right? Am I right? So there's stuff on TV, there's billboards that are designed to sexually arouse, true? Guys, am I alone in this? Are you, am I talking to myself up here? Is that true? What else? You guys tell me. What else is designed what, what's that? Instagram, okay. I guess you go to some places in Instagram. Uh, not you, but you can go is what I mean. Not you. That's how you shut down all dialogue as a communicator. Um, romance novels, The Bachelor. Can I say that? The View. I'm just kidding, not The View. That's crazy. I'm joking. Come on. That's hilarious. That's my only humor. You guys got to laugh at that one. The View. Um, so in the broadest definition, anything that is designed to bring about sexual arousal is pornography. In the most narrow definition, hardcore pornography is images or videos of an actual sex act or of sexuality. It's legal in our country, if you don't know. Um, I've had people ask me, why, like, it, it, why is this legal? Well, because there was a, a decision in the Supreme Court, Larry Flint versus the United States. Uh, Larry Flint was the publisher of Hustler Magazine, and uh, it, it became a First Amendment freedom of speech issue where he won uh, against the U.S., and because of that, uh, pornography is uh, legal. Uh, also, did you know that Larry Flint was shot in uh, March 6, 1978? Does anyone know where he was shot? Downtown Lawrenceville at the courthouse, like in Lawrenceville, down there, right, like, like, right there. We could almost walk. Larry Flint was shot there. It's also, if you grew up here, it's where Santa showed up every Thanksgiving, was where Larry Flint, the porn guy, was shot. Same place. Just so you know. Like, um, all right. Let me just give you stats on why I think this is an epidemic, okay? Porn revenues annually are $13 billion dollars. Hollywood is 11 billion. Annual porn revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB put, uh, baseball put together. It's more than CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox News combined. Uh, annually, there are 11,000 porn videos made. There's only 5,000 mainstream movies made, or 500. Every 30 minutes, a, a new porno site opens. 90% of men in the U.S. say they visited a porn site. 50% of Christian men say they visited at least this once a week. 20% of women, uh, Christian women, say they regularly visit porn sites. 37% of pastors say they struggle with pornography. 51% of pastors say it's a constant struggle. 61% of young men, 49% of young women say that porn is an acceptable way to express their sexuality. 
61% of boys, 32% of girls say they visited a porn site by the age of 11. 50% of 17-year-olds say that they've sexted explicit messages or pictures. Every second in the U.S., $3,100 is spent on pornography. 29,500 people are logging on to a porn site. That's an epidemic. Every day there are 68 million searches requesting porn sites. One in five mobile searches is a search for porn. Uh, Porn is, just so you know, porn is connected to sex trafficking uh, where women are enslaved and forced uh, into uh, sexual, into, you know, sex. 36% of women internationally, 65% of women in the United States who have been sex trafficked say that they've been controlled or coerced to have sex on video for the purpose of pornography. So if you watch pornography, you're probably watching somebody get raped. Uh, sooner or later, that's what you're watching. Uh, there's always been, porn- it's got, it just got real up in here, didn't it? It, there's always been porn. There, there are cave drawings that are of a sexual nature. I did not bring them, but they're there. But in the last several decades, the game has changed when it comes to uh, pornography and, and why this is such a big deal. And I'll tell you why. I'll move this uh, for now. I'll bring it back. Um, I want to throw that chart up here. I want, I want to show you the progression of what's happened in our country in the last several decades. You don't need to write this down. But just listen, in the, think about this, okay? This will blow your mind. In the, uh, in the 50s and before, I would call it an age of sexual repression. Oral sex was illegal back then. Like illegal. Uh, premature sex was actually illegal. Girls who had premature sex were unmarriable. Uh, people did not talk about sex. TV couples slept in different beds. You, never would, you would never put a TV couple in bed together. Sex was not an appropriate topic of conversation. My, my thought is all sex is bad was what it was like. I'm not saying that was good. I'm saying that's what it was, okay? Still, it, listen, sex, a lot of sex, adultery, all of it still happened, but it was, there was a ton of shame, guilt, hiding. But what we had back then was clarity of lines. There were rights and wrongs. There were, there were this is inbounds, this is out of bounds. We understood that some things were right and wrong. In the 50s, things changed. Right around 1948, uh, sexual behavior in the, in the human male, the Kinsey Report started coming out, which said this is what men actually do. It was a definitely skewed, agenda-driven uh, type of uh, literature um, that you can get into. So sexual behavior in the human male, 1953, sexual behavior in the human female uh, came out. 1953, the first Playboy came out. Welcome back, Playboy. Um, uh, and, and the Playboy made, uh, started to make pornography an acceptable thing. Uh, in 1960, the first oral contraceptives came out, which means the idea of... of, of uh, you know, getting pregnant unintentionally started to go away as we started to solve that. 1963, uh, prayer and Bible was removed from school. 60s and 70s, the, the sexual revolution uh, occurred. And, and as part of that, the deconstruction of traditional values. In other words, there was a clarity before this time that we lost in, in that season as a country. And it was free, free love, women, women lived, women became, uh, you know, I, I kind of think of it like this. You might not like this, but... Like, girls were like, hey, we're sexual too. And guys were like, uh, okay, great. Um, guys weren't worried about that, right? And, and uh, women freed up to be ex- exactly what men wanted them to be. Uh, we erase, erasing the lines, and the, the clarity was replaced with questions. 
what, what, what are the lines? What are the next steps? Well, today, 1980s plus, I would say we went from repression to revolution to obsession. Now premarital sex is the norm, hooking up, married love, no, really not emotional cohabitation. Uh, people are getting married later because there's, there's nothing you know, holding them back from get, from get they're, they're, there's no reason to get married young. They're not, it's not stopping them from doing anything. Uh, uh, teen pregnancies skyrocketing, divorce rates skyrocketing, abortion becomes an issue, homosexuality uh, rises, internet uh, takes hardcore porn into every house, which we'll talk about. And, and, and so from repression to revolution to now obsession, we went from all sex is bad to all sex is good uh, in our country. And what we're learning is that free love isn't free. We went from clarity to, chaos, to questions, and now we have a chaos to us. Does that connect with you guys? This is what's happened in our country. If you want to know part, one reason why pornography is such a big issue now, it's because of this. The second reason, which I think is a bigger reason, is because of the internet and what the internet has done to accessibility. There's always been porn. There's always been hardcore porn. But... It was only accessible to people who were willing to walk across town into seedy places to, to find it. But the internet, the internet gives us unprecedented, uninterrupted, and ultimate private access to porn in a way the world has never known. True? Uh, the internet has made access to porn mainstream without social consequence which is a new thing, and the ability to become desensitized and therefore go into deeper and deeper levels of pornography uh, in your home while you're sitting there has escalated. And so we're seeing pornography, you know, uh, just, it's an epidemic in our country, the stats that I just read. A while back, this is a few years back, I remember I was sitting in a Barnes & Noble and I was like drinking coffee and writing. And I literally, I watched this. You guys, you guys this was the norm. Like, like uh, when I was growing up, this is the weirdest thing. I can't, I, I can't believe this guy did this. He walked into Barnes and Noble with a trench coat and a hat and glasses. And he walked up and he's looking through the magazines and he grabbed a Playboy. And I'm watching this dude grab a Playboy and read it. And I'm like, dude, this guy, like he doesn't know what century he's in. He doesn't need to do this anymore. Um, he literally, he needs Jesus or the internet. He needs to pick one. Um, I'm just kidding. He needs Jesus. Um, it's an epidemic that is not uh, just for men. It's for women. It's not just for old or young. It's not a, a gender thing, a race thing. It's not a Christian, non-Christian thing. It's just kind of a thing. And if you're sitting here thinking, dude, that's me. I'm so, uh, on, you know, I'm, this is me. I'm telling you right now, you're not the only one in the room. True? You're not the only one in the room. No one's going to be like, Drew. Um, I'm telling you right now, uh, I, I'm not saying it to make it okay. It's not okay, but you're not alone either. And, and porn has a way of keeping you silent, and part of the answer we'll talk about is going, is going public, at least with the right group. So first thing I'd say is it's an epidemic. It's literally taken over. Does that make sense to you guys? You get it? All right, number two. You can't talk about porn usage without talking about it as an addiction. So when I started studying pornography, I would have said there are like two levels. There are like casual porn users and then there are like addicts. And like 
There's just kind of, you know, God dabblers and then like deep. Uh, after research, what I've discovered is, nah, there's only deep. There's no such thing as somebody who's just kind of on the fringes checking it out for very long. The, uh, that's, that's, pornography is a powerful, addictive reality. In 2004, before the U.S. Senate, university uh, professor uh, of Penn State uh, said this, uh, I'll try not to read too much, but, but thanks to the latest advances in neuroscience, we, we know, now know that emotionally arousing images, porn, imprint and alter the brain, triggering instant involuntary biochemical memory trail. It literally changes your brain and your brain never goes back when you look at porn. Our, uh, once our neurochemical pathways are established, they're difficult or impossible to delete. Erotic images, listen, trigger the viewer's fight and flight, sex hormones producing intense arousal, but also fuse that arousal with unconscious emotions of fear, shame, anger, and hostility. So, if, so did you catch that? Pornography connects your sexuality with fear, shame, anger, and hostility. Pornography tri triggers a myriad of internal drugs released in your brain that mimic the high of street drugs. Addiction to pornography is addiction to what is dubbed your erototoxins, mind-altering drugs released during viewing, while you're viewing pornography. That drug, by the way, is called opium. Uh, it is the, it is, what opium means is opium-like because it's just like opium. It's a, it's a type of opium your brain creates that your brain releases when you look at porn. And so when you look at porn, opium is released into your body and you become addicted to the opium. As much as the image, it's the feeling of the opium. And, and uh, um, it's, uh, this guy goes on again. He's just talking to the Senate about what pornography does. He says, pornography damages the sexual performance of the viewers. It raises expectation and demands of types and amounts of sex. At the same time, it reduces the ability to actually experience or enjoy sex. So it raises the demand while it reduces the return, which is the, at the heart of an addiction. I want more and it, it returns less. Research indicates that people with a, a pornography addiction, 40% will lose their spouse, 58% will suffer financial loss, 27 to 40% will lose their jobs because of their sex addiction. He ends by saying that this material is potent, addictive, and permanently implanted in the brain. So there's not, like, there's not two categories of porn users, just like there's not two categories of heroin users. Right? There's not a, ca like, does anyone ever think, like, that's a casual heroin user? You, you know what I mean? Nah, if you're in, you're in, right? I get the sense that if you do heroin, you're pretty deep into heroin. You're not, like, sort of into heroin. And, and literally, opium is a type of heroin. And so, so anyone who thinks they have a casual relationship with pornography is totally deluded. Uh, and I want to uh, talk about that just to help you. If that's you, I want to I talk about it. Let me just give you 10 indications of a porn addiction. This is any addiction follows these. Uh, you have an urge, uh, you have a pattern of lacking the ability to say no. You, you want to stop and you can't. That's at the heart of addiction. You feel tension before looking at porn and relief during or after looking at porn. If you look at porn, that's exactly what you feel. You're preoccupied with looking at porn. You, you look at porn longer than you wanted. You have a pattern of trying to reduce control or stop looking at porn and you can't. 
uh, keep going. You have, in, you have engaged in porn when you were supposed to be doing other stuff. Uh, you look at porn in spite of the fact that it's creating problems in your life. You have decreased in sensitivity or increased in frequency. You're restless if you can't do it. You have a pattern of stopping for a month or two, then relapsing only to stop again after a season. Those are all indicators of addiction. The way addiction grows uh, inside of you uh, is this. Let's just follow. This is a, again, this is, any addiction follows this pattern, and then a porn addiction follows this pattern. First is discovery. This is when hormones meet curiosity, and you go online and you see something. Second is experimentation, exploration, when you start to see what's out there. Third is desensitization, meaning the initial things you were doing didn't, don't do it for you anymore, so you have to go deeper and deeper which is four, escalation, and five, following performance, which is when you try to live out in real life what you're seeing on the screen. Uh, and you become depraved along the way. Those are all indicators. Though any, the the ten, list of 10, that, that, that is what a, a porn addiction looks like. And no one who's looking at porn isn't going down those, that journey. Does that make sense to you guys? This is not as fun as the last time we spoke, is it? Um, all right, number three. I, just, I, want, I want you to catch this, even though this, you know, most of you aren't married. I just want you to catch this because you're going to be married. And I'm just telling you right now, uh, this, this stuff matters, and, and uh, I, I, wa- I want you to have it. Um, all right. Pornography dishonors marriage and defiles the marriage bed. Hebrews 13 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Again, the pornos is the, is the word there. So I think there's two ways you ruin the purity of your marriage bed. One is adultery. The other is pornography. Uh, it defiles the marriage bed by bringing porn, pornographic fantasies and expectations into bed. Uh, I Listen, I know at least a dozen couples at this church that I've met with, talked to, that have fallen apart due to the use of porn of one of them. Uh, I, I know a couple who split up um, because the husband kept trying to get the wife to have anal sex, and she felt coerced and manipulated and didn't want to be about it, and uh, so she left him. I've sat with a couple, this, this blew my mind, it still blows my mind. I sat with a couple where I saw a wife look at her husband and say, you have to choose between me and the porn. And the guy said, porn. I've done a funeral for a guy who committed suicide because his addiction to internet pornography uh, messed up his life so bad that he just didn't want to live. So... Here's some thoughts worth considering. I'm just going to talk to the guys. Uh, and and uh, girls, obviously, there's application. But I just want to talk to the guys about this. Listen, just this is something you should know. Your future wife does not want to fulfill your pornographic fantasies. She, don't, she ain't going to want to. Number two, she should not try to fulfill your pornographic fantasies. She should not, uh, she can't fulfill your pornographic fantasies. So she... She will not want to, she should not try to, and she cannot. And if she does, you will be left unfulfilled anyways. Because those are not necessarily fulfilling to begin with. Does that make sense to you? If you're more concerned with what you're doing than who you're with, you're probably missing something. I think porn, porn messes up our minds when it comes to sex. 
and it affects our whole culture. Our whole culture is just a little bit pornographic. It changes our definition of what we think great sex is and where we think it comes from. Like, like think about it. Where do you think great sex comes from? And I'll tell you, I, I think the best answer, the, I, I think this is just as true as anything, great sex comes from a great marriage. That's where great sex comes from. How do you go about building a great sex life? You build a great marriage, and great sex is the overflow of a great marriage. If, listen, if you believe that two people who don't know each other can meet and then have sex, and it's fulfilling, rewarding, great sex, then you have been so influenced by pornography that your definition of great sex has nothing to do with the Bible's. Two, two people who don't know each other have nothing on my wife and me. My wife and I have lived in three states. We've lived for 23 years together. We've fought cancer together. We've had children together. We've lived life together. We've grown up together. And when we crawl into bed, all of that comes with us. And I'm telling you, great sex comes from a great marriage. Two, two horny kids who don't know how to say no to each other is not a picture of great sex. I have a word for that. It's called mutual masturbation, where both people are using each other to get off for themselves. That's not awesome. It's not, it literally does not compare to what my wife and I have. And if you're like, no way, you're just been, you've been pornographized, that's not a word, I just made it up, <laughs> by, by the world around you. So here's just a thought, last thought, and then we'll move on to the next one, Okay. If you're in a dating relationship and you look at porn, uh, I, don't think, I think you need help. I don't think you need to talk to the person you're dating. My, my, that's my, just my thought. I think you need to talk to somebody. I just don't think that, that you need to talk to the person you're dating. I think as soon as you talk about marriage, as soon as marriage becomes a factor, you do need to. It's not fair to marry somebody if you have a secret private porn addiction going on, just like it wouldn't be awesome to marry somebody if you had a heroin addiction going on. You should talk about it. If you're on the other end of it and your boyfriend or girlfriend comes to you and says, you know, you're talking about marriage and you go, okay, we're gonna, I have a porn addiction going on. I do not think it's automatically a red flag. I do think it's a yellow flag and you should talk to your small group leader, a counselor, you should talk to your pastor, who's Heather, talk to Heather about that. Um, and, and, uh, and when you talk to, and, and you should, and, and here, here's what I would be looking for. Are they actually committed to doing the things to overcome this addiction? Or are they going, no, 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 I'm fine. It's not that big of a deal. And if it's not that big of a deal, red light. I would red light that any day in my, in my book. That's how I'd go about it. It will destroy your marriage bed. All right, number four. Pornography unravels your inner world. It unravels, it unravels your inner world. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says this, flee from sexual immorality. Again, the word is in Greek is pornos. All their sins a person commits are outside the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Don't you know that you're the, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If, if, if you're into pornography, you know that when you... Pornography is a sin against your own body because you know it unravels you from the inside out. And I think there are three ways that it unravels you. 
the first one is it sets you on an addiction cycle. Let me show you what an addiction cycle looks like. Um, all addiction works on a same cycle. Listen, addiction is way more complicated than I'm about to make it, but for the sake of just super simplicity, let me just say, uh, let me say this. Addiction starts with shame. Shame is different than guilt. Guilt is about what you've done. Shame is about what you are, okay? So it starts with shame. Man, I, I, and shame produces this negative feeling that needs to be released, and porn is one way of releasing it. The problem with porn, though, is it makes you feel worse about who you are. It increases your shame, which increases the frequency by which you would go back to porn, which then increases your shame. That's why they call it an addiction cycle. And you can put a lot of things up here, and porn's one of them. And so if you, are, if you look at porn, then you... You look at it, and then you're like, dang it, I suck as a human. And it, makes, it increases your shame, which needs to be resolved in some way, which makes you look at it again, which makes your shame base increase. See how that works? That's how all addiction works. And when you look at, and porn does that, it starts that, it triggers that, it grows that, it's in you, it, 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 it fills it up in you. It's obviously a little more complicated than that, but that's a pretty simple uh, understanding of how addiction actually works. So, and that's the first thing it does to unravel your inner world. The second thing is it, it increases the size of your private life, meaning when you look at porn, you have more secrets. And you're, you, you know, you're as sick as your secrets, right? And so when you start having accumulating secrets, there's just, you just, again, it, I think it produces shame. I think it messes with your relationships. It messes with, with uh, you know, your ability to walk into a room and feel like you're whole and giving yourself fully to things and, and all of that. And, and, uh, and three, it, it, it causes you to withdraw from God. So it, so it creates an sh- uh, addiction cycle. You withdraw from people and you withdraw from God. Because while he doesn't, shame makes you feel like God rejects you. It has a way of moving you back. That's what, that's what pornography does in you and in, in, in us. And number five, the last thing I would say is that addiction to porn can be overcome in Christ. This is the good news. I, I believe uh, that it can be overcome. So uh, Romans says this. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. That therefore don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God and those who have been bought from death, brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Offer yourself to God, offer the parts of yourself to God and, and sin shall no longer be your master. I, I believe uh, in order to overcome porn, like, 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 I guess the, like, what do you do? Okay, if you're in this, what do you do? I think there's two things uh, that you need to do. Both require radical commitment. Both require a, a sustained commitment. Um, like, 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 let me say this. If you, like, you might casually wander into a heroin addiction. You're not going to casually get out of a heroin addiction, right? You, and listen, you might have casually wandered into pornography. You're not going to casually wander out of pornography, 
if you have a porn addiction to pornography, you're going to have to make it a priority and something you're chasing in your life to, to get out of this. And so I, I just, I believe there are two things you need to do, and I think you need to do them both at the same time. Uh, and and uh, I'll tell you exactly uh, what I think it is. The first one is, um, and I, I think it comes back to this, the first thing you need to do is you need to learn how to abstain and find, find your way to actually saying, you know, getting rid of pornography in your life. I don't think it solves everything. I think it's where it starts. Um, so I know people who got rid of HBO, got rid of their computers, got rid of their phones, put uh, software on their phones and on their computers and in their life. They don't have a computer in their room. They don't have a TV in their room. Whatever it is, you know, if your right hand caused you to sin, what should you do? Yeah, cut it off. Just cut, cut, your, cut off access to pornography. If you're, a, if you're a drunk, don't go to a bar. If you're a porn addict, don't have access to a computer in a way that, that, people, uh, that you're alone and vulnerable. There's software available. I think th- this is, listen, I'm just gonna give you a quick plan. I'm telling you, you guys should write this down. You, you or a friend of yours needs to hear this. And I'm telling you, this is it. And there's no, it's not more complicated than this. It's just really hard to do. First, uh, your first attempt will probably be personal strength, meaning you're gonna go, I'm gonna try to abstain by myself. I'm gonna cut everything out. I'm gonna do this all alone. Okay, I would say give it a month, give it a, two months, whatever. Give yourself a timeline. And then at the end of that timeline, if it worked, great. And if it didn't work, go to step two, which is have an accountability group. Have a group of friends. And now, you, now you're meeting with a group of guys, meeting with a group of girls, and talking about this issue. The group's not ultimately about that issue, but, but you're, you're bringing that to the plate and say, this is my struggle. And guys, let me just say, like I've worked with you guys long enough, some accountability groups are like this. All the guys get together and they go, all right, did you look at porn? Yep, did you look at porn? Yep, did you look at porn? Yep, all right, we're done, let's pray. I'm like, that's not accountability. That's just weak sauce. <laughs> accountability is when you're like, no, I didn't. And no, I don't think you should either. And no, we're gonna actually hold, hold the line. And, and the, the, okay, so first, personal strength. If that doesn't work, you go to accountability group. If that doesn't work, there's really only one other option, which is a support group for sex addicts. Or, or live with your addiction. And, and you find your way to a group. We have them here at the church. There, there are other places if personal strength and normal accountability doesn't work, then you have to do something special. And counseling, treatment, all that kind of stuff, I would play in. I'm telling you, you're not gonna come out of this easy. This is a, a real live issue. So the first thing you need to learn how to do is abstain. But, but Allison, abstinence doesn't actually solve uh, the addiction. It solves half the addiction. The other half is this shame. And the reality that that you know, how you, the, the thing going on in you needs to be resolved also. In my experience, if you're not solving the shame, you'll always go back to some addiction. You'll always hit something. And, and uh, I, I would say in the same way that you would aggressively go after accountability to overcome the actual issue, you need to go after a relationship with God 
that's so deep that God is speaking grace. You need a grace bigger than the shame. Like, like I've, I've watched human nature a long time. Shame is one of the most powerful human motivators there is. It's, the, it's like you look at how people move and what they do. Most of it is guided by shame. They're just trying to feel good about themselves because they don't. The only thing I've ever seen that's actually more powerful than shame to move people is grace. Because grace solves shame. And so my encouragement to you is to not only solve the abstinence, but step into a relationship with God that's deep enough to literally hear God tell you that he loves you, hear God tell you that, that he is pleased with you in a way that resolves the shame that sits in your life. That's the only way I've seen people overcome this, doing both of these things at the same time. Does that make sense to you guys? I have uh, a powerful picture that to me is super powerful and I'll be done, I'll pray and, and, and uh, the, the band's gonna come up. And here, here, here it is. This, is. this is such a biblical picture of God. Um, listen, I, I, uh, I taught both my children to walk and they literally would stand up, they're, you know, they're little kids, they would stand up, they'd take a step and then what would they do? They would fall down. So I'd be angry at them, right? I'm like, you suck. Like, <laughs> walk. Um, no, of course not. Of course not. I love them. They're my child. So what I would do is I would pick them up and I would help them take another step. And I would help them take another step because I love them and I, I understood that falling was part of the process of learning how to walk. And guys, don't you know that God loves you way more than, than that? And that God is not displeased with you when you fall. That, that, that the shame you experience is not God rejecting you. God is wanting to hold you back up and just keep taking another step. That's who God is. He's a father who loves you and he knows that part of the process of walking is falling. So I wanna pray for you guys and that's my uh, dissertation on pornography. Um, let, me, let me pray and, and Heather, you can come up from here and the band can come up. So Father, I do, I pray over uh, these students. Um, I pray your great favor on them. God, I pray that uh, I know in, in this room there are dozens and dozens of people who quietly would say, man, that's me. And I needed to hear that and that's, that's deep in me. And it's, maybe I thought I was just dabbling and now I've come to see that it's more of an addiction than I would have I thought. And uh, God, I pray, I do, I pray first that you would wash over them with grace and, and wash over them uh, with your goodness and that you would, you would, that picture that I just painted of a loving father inviting them to take a step, that you would make that real in their soul. And, and then I pray, God, that I pray that this would be a community that flees sexual immorality and that our relationship with you would make us different than the people around us. I do, I pray that. And I ask you for that. And the truth is you have so much more for us than what pornography offers. And you're so very kind and you're so very good. So we love you, God, and we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.